what blows your mind? What gives you awe? Well, I think that the nature of the universe uh, gives me awe, and, the, and just the, the huge expanse of the, of the universe, how far away things are and how big they are, and the fact that there are things like supermassive black holes that are equal to a billion suns. You know? What about dark matter? Doesn't that freak you out too? Uh, yeah, and dark, dark matter um, is also, I mean, dark matter and dark energy are, are, are kind of interesting, because I mean, I'm not sure what those actually are. No, you know, nobody does either. Those actually are, and particularly dark energy. In fact, this is why, you know, th that may be an argument for this being a simulation, um, because in a simulation, you wouldn't, you know, you could just make things be however you want. The, the laws don't all have to be consistent. So, I mean... So he ends up saying he does believe in superconsciousness potentially, because uh, if you believe in the simulation theory, it literally is that there is a super advanced consciousness which has created our universe as a virtual reality Sims game, and we just happen to be conscious. I really like the Sims. inhabitants of them. You very much like the Sims. I you like played a Sims. lot of Sims as a kid. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to create a s <laughs> super universe. I don't, I don't think you'll get there. No. <laughs> Um, so he does end up talking about a super, that he kind of does believe, therefore, that a superconsciousness may be in there. And he's on record talking about the fact that we may be in a simulation. Um, but before that, he was talking about how far things are away. Because we was talking, <laughs> he was asked, what gives you awe? And I, what do you guys make of that? That kind of statement that, you know, what, do, I mean, in fairness, he's just answering this, these questions that someone asks him, probably bit, finds them a bit odd. But yeah. he's asked, what gives you awe? And he talks about uh, distance. So what do you make of that? I think the first thing is, if there were no creator, why would things give you awe? Why would there be a universe that would be so awe-striking mm. if there wasn't anyone actually to create it? Can blind chance give people awe? Can it be so striking and so uh, vast and complex? And can the universe be the way it is mm. just by blind chance? So that's the design argument. That's the design argument. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so he says, what gives, what gives me awe? And he says, what gives me awe is the black holes and the galaxies and the fact that things are really big in the universe mm -hmm. and things are quite far away and i agree that's quite awe striking in a sense because mm. you know we're we're small and the universe is big mm. so he answered the question yeah but again i think he perhaps needs to look further and think well how can things be like this yeah 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 so what what is the next what why have Use that or as an avenue to figure out why do I find this so awesome? What is what is so f you know striking about this? And is this evidence of a deeper purpose, a deeper meaning, rather than just scale? Yeah, and even a creator, somebody yeah. that created something that has the capability of giving me so much awe. I guess it's a, in a sense it's a, it's almost like an inherent argument for the existence of God, isn't it? Like if if God creates you, it makes sense that He also creates the universe in such a way that it, it leads you to him, which is what the Quran says as well. Well, well I think you're, there is definitely awe there. But what is awe? An awe a feeling of awe is a feeling that something is um, overwhelmingly larger and overwhel overwhelming, I think. Overwhelming. Nice overwhelming thing, yeah. in some sense. And in that sense, you know, anybody can look at the universe and yes, feel awe. But I mean, a person can also feel awe at... A horrific incident, mm. you know, something that is overwhelming can also cause the striking of awe mm. at, a, at, a, at a negative event. Mm. Okay, um, a volcano exploding and destroying an entire village can strike a person with awe. Mm. If you were to witness, how it. could someone? Or how could this happen? Yeah, I mean, there's, but it it has again absolutely no uh, intrinsic value. Yeah, 
it's a it's a you know the, the book philosophy of the teachings of islam by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community phenomenal book um you know it's a it's a book that it can illuminate a person's heart mm. in a, in a day and uh, in the beginning of it he talks about the natural moral and spiritual conditions of human being mm. and uh, he talks about how people confuse what is natural and what is moral mm. this is a good example of it mm-hmm. like feeling awe is just a natural response it's a reflex yeah okay yeah it's, it has no moral, uh, there's no moral content there. Yeah. Okay. And, and they're taking that awe and applying definitely it. Definitely spiritual content. Yeah, definitely not spiritual content. <laughs> they're taking that awe and applying it to having a spiritual aspect to it. Mm. When actually it's just a, a reflex. Mm. Um, you know, a child will feel awe on seeing a fire truck. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yours does. <laughs> Mine does. <laughs> it's like, oh, truck. <laughs> right? A child will feel awe on seeing a fire truck. I've said this to you before. A really newborn baby will will experience awe on looking at their hands and looking yeah. at their feet and figuring out that they've got hands and feet. Like there comes a moment when they suddenly realize they've got feet. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. is a moment of awe and amazement and joy. Yeah. It has no meaning. It's meaningless. I mean, it can only have meaning in a framework that is meaningful. So if you have if you're if you have a framework that things were designed by God, you can see you, the the great structures of the universe will be reflective of God's power. And Correct. that's that's something which is awesome. Because yeah. God's power, therefore, is so much greater than ours that yes. it's unbelievable. It's transcend- transcendent. You know, you know, if you have a, a your feeling of awe, even in even in a small local level, if you go to a, a big church or a great place of worship, you know, people may may say that they get that kind of feeling. But it's within that kind of. Uh, it's because it evokes a sense of humility mm. on a cosmic scale uh, in the in the framework that this is a godly place and that you know this is you know God has created us. But if it's just uh, there's a star really far away. It's really big. It's really yeah. big in a universe which was created out of chance and has no meaning mm. and ultimately world can be sucked into a black hole. <laughs> what is awesome about that? <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not really awesome. No, it's not. Also, in an atheistic context, we are basically, as human beings, the highest consciousness possibly in the universe. Yeah. And so is it possible that we would get so awestruck by non-living things Mm. That are that are so much greater or more powerful than us, mm. or is it more logical that there's that the reason we feel awe is because we're small, but there there is a consciousness that is greater than us behind all mm. of that. Yeah, there's yeah. like an inherent sense of this yes. is not mm. from uh, this is this is from something greater. Yes, I mean yeah. I always find this, and he, when I don't think we're going to necessarily get through the whole video, no. but towards the end of the video, he 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 talks a lot about and he invokes Carl Sagan. Yeah, yeah. Talk about how we are this pale blue dot. We are this dot as microcosm in the universe. And the implication there that atheists always bring out is that, well, therefore, you know, why would God create, why would God take any interest in human beings seeing that we are so small and puny in, in the vast expanse of space? Yeah. And that always strikes me again as a completely, as a non sequitur, it's an illogical step because... You know, God is not bound. It's, again, an anthropomorphization of God. It's, yeah. a, it's conceiving of God in human terms that because we are bound by time and space, somehow God is also going to be awestruck if something is big and, you know, has been around for a long time. Yeah. It's like, no, God is the one who's created space-time, okay? <laughs> God is the one who created space-time is outside of space-time. Space-time doesn't apply to God, okay? Yeah. So for God, the entire universe is no smaller, no bigger than the head of a pin. Yeah. And the head of a pin is... No, no, no smaller than the size of the entire universe in the mm. sense that space itself is, is, is infinite for such a being and it's also completely finite. It's nothing. And it's, yeah. every, you know, do you know what I mean? It mm. has no, 
relativistically has no meaning. It's, it's all equal. It's all equal. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, it's exactly. To God, it's all equal. Yeah. Right? Because remember, at the end of the day, God created the universe from uh, a space smaller than an atom. Yeah. Right? And, and inflated it. Yeah. So that should tell you that space to God means nothing. What God cares about is uh, is value and meaning yeah. in, in correlation to his attributes. Yeah. Right? Because fundamentally, if you are the supreme de- deity and the supreme being, and everything is temporary except for you, the only thing that has value is you. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and by mm. extension, that which reflects you or that which connects with you. Correct. So, so, you know, this is why God says, you know, pride is my cloak and greatness my robe, and he who competes with me in respect of either of them, I shall cast into hellfire. And that tells you that human beings, pride and greatness is not out for us. And so when God says, <clears throat> you know, uh, you know, why would, what would God value? That's the question here. Because they're like, oh, well, why would God value human beings who are so small? No, God values us because we have consciousness. Yeah. And we have the ability to reflect God's attributes mm. within our own sphere. Mm. And to that extent, a human being in their five foot four, you know, shoulder width dimension mm. is more valuable than a 10 trillion light years mm. of empty space. Mm. Right. Yeah. And that's that's that that's actually meaningful. So there is not a linear relationship between size and meaning. Um, and ultimately, if you like, just to go on from that, like if we find some massive planet, you know, in another solar system, if we find even a single bacterium on that, that single bacterium is going to be, you know, more important and more meaningful than the whole the rest of the solar system. Right, I don't care yeah. about the size; it's about yeah. what's actually on it. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also I was going to say there's a variation of the pale blue dot argument, which also Elon Musk alluded to which is, well, why would God care about our individual actions? Why should God care if we eat pork or drink alcohol or all of these things because we're so small and mm. all of these kind of things? Yeah, and I think it's it's the same It's the same mm. as what you said. Mm. The, the whole purpose of our existence is to emulate God's attributes and to be an image of God, literally, and to try and imitate God uh, and worship him. And that's more valuable to God than any planet or star or anything like that to try and get ourselves morally and spiritually um, kind of at one with God. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just to, just to, a great point. just to move on as well to the, uh, to well, go clarify some of the purpose and the meaning stuff. You've always, you've written before for us a, a very interesting um, uh, account of your time in Cornwall. Can you tell us more oh. about that? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, we, I went to Cornwall a few years ago and we stayed um, on like a, near a farm. Are there farms in Cornwall? There, there are farms in Cornwall okay, and fields and these kind of things. <laughs> and um, there were loads of cows in this particular um, field. And then a few days later, we came and there were a few less cows. And obviously, some of these cows, you know, they were being reared in order to be slaughtered for meat for people like that. And I just imagined thinking, imagine the lives of those cows. They mm. kind of eat grass and they maybe talk to each other in whatever language they have. But imagine if they set themselves purposes and they said, oh, I want to be the, you know, the most strong cow or I want, you know, to run a marathon as a cow or all these kind of things. Ultimately, all of these purposes are meaningless because what will happen is those cows will be slaughtered mm. and their purpose <laughs> is to be eaten, right? Their purpose is for us to enjoy them. Mm. And any other purpose they concoct for themselves is really unimportant ultimately and really meaningless because the end is the same is what you're saying because the end is the same and the and the meaning is set externally it's not something they can invent exactly yeah Mm. and it's the same with us in a sense if there is a god yeah and we have a purpose set for us then 
it makes no difference what we say. We say, oh, my purpose is to be able to become an Olympic swimmer or mm. to be a you know dancer or to do this or that. None of it really matters ultimately in the context of the purpose that God has for us, the purpose that the higher consciousness has for us, mm. just like we have for the cows. Mm. And it's, I think the most important thing really in life is to try and find out what is our higher purpose? Is there a higher purpose? Mm. And the way we can find that out is through through prayer through trying to connect with god mm. and uh and figuring it out and yeah there's a beautiful another again going back to the philosophy of the teachings of islam which is what mm. you've touched on there he the promised messiah Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, uh peace be upon him he he makes this point about purpose and how can you know what your purpose is and he says that it can't be that a human being's purpose is to um uh do something uh, physical he gives the example of honey he says no human being could produce honey as better than the honeybee Mm. okay he says it has to be suited to the capacities and temperaments of what a human being is and he says in that respect you can judge what the purpose of anything is by asking what its highest reach is mm. okay so he gives the example of a bullock in a field he says no matter what that bullock does okay <clears throat> the highest thing it could ever serve in terms of grand design and grand purpose is plowing that field mm. okay it's not going to achieve anything greater than that mm. He says, but when we conceive and look at human beings, what is the distinguishing characteristic about them and what is the highest reach of their consciousness can attain? He says, the highest reach that their consciousness can attain is seeking the everlasting, eternal being who created everything. Hmm. And that is true... Whether connecting with it. Connecting with it. That is true whether you're an atheist or not. No hmm. atheist could ever claim that there is a higher faculty that man has set for himself than reaching the eternal creator, even if God does not exist, mm. right? There is no doubt people, human beings, have sought out the eternal creator and there cannot be conceived of a higher purpose than that, mm. right? Mm. And so by definition, that therefore is shows the path as to what the, the purpose of any creature is because the purpose is always going to be the thing for which, which is highest in your reach, Yeah, right? And the other thing I think I would just add to that is that you can always know what your purpose is by asking yourself, what is the thing which all human beings universally throughout time and space and human history, throughout geographic location, what do they all have equal access to? Hmm. Because God created them as well, didn't he? Right? And the one thing that they all had access to, they didn't have access to iPhones, they didn't have access to laptops, didn't have access to complex you know, higher education, etc. <laughs> okay? But they all had access to moral choice. Moral choice and the ability to reach God through prayer. So it's not about your intellect, it's not about your looks, it's not about your money. Yeah. It's actually about your choices and and that is spread equally. Those options are spread equally between all human beings, hmm. you know. And there's probably a reason why they asked Elon Musk that question about who do you worship because they probably think well he's got more weight on this issue because he's the richest, he's achieved the best materially of any other human being. Hmm. But in reality, he is not the prime person to answer that question. Mm. He is. He has Very equal weight to answer that question. And we all have equal capacity, not capacity, but ability perhaps to reach God or to... Opportunity. Or to, opportunity opportunity yeah. to connect yeah. with God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've spoken a lot about then the theistic framework gives you purpose, gives you meaning, that is to connect and reach with God. And, and I think this, this kind of video and so many other videos like this and a lot of things you're talking about, Carl Sagan, Elon Musk, these kind of people they try and invent meaning in a meaningless framework. But I think it's worthwhile seeing what an honest atheist says <laughs> because there aren't that many in this respect, in respect of actually saying that there is, that this is all completely meaningless. Uh, but there was, there was you know, one famous one, Bill Pro Professor William Provine, 
who uh, was in this movie on intelligent design called uh, Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed. Um, and and he, he kind of lays it out quite starkly. So let's take a look what he said. No gods, no life after death, no ultimate foundation for ethics, no ultimate meaning in life, and no human free will are all deeply connected to an, an evolutionary perspective. You're here today and you're gone tomorrow, and that's all there is to it. Dr. Will Provine, professor of the history of biology at Cornell University, gave us another disturbing glimpse into where Darwinism can lead. Oh, I was a Christian, but I never heard anything about evolution because it was illegal to teach it in Tennessee. Dr. Provine's first biology professor changed all that. He started talking about evolution as if it had no design in it whatsoever. And I came up to him and I said, you've left out the most important part. And he said, if you feel the same way at the end of one quarter, I want you to stand up in front of the students in this class and tell them this deep lack in evolution. And I read that book so carefully, I could find no sign of there being any design whatsoever in evolution. And I immediately began to doubt the existence of the deity. But it starts by giving up an active deity. Then it gives up the hope that there's any life after death. When you give those two up, the rest of it follows fairly easily. You give up the hope that there's a, an imminent morality. And finally, there's no human free will. If you believe in evolution, you can't hope for there being any free will. There's no hope whatsoever of there being any deep meaning in human life. We live, we die, and we're gone. We're absolutely gone when we die. So uh, he's absolutely right. I mean, atheism is completely tied up with materialism and this idea of unguided evolution. We are just physical substrates. We are um, nothing but brains in some kind of animation. We have no free will, no real free choice. Uh, that's who we are. I mean, obviously, we believe in evolution, but we believe in evolution that was guided by God, designed by God. So that's a different form of evolution. He's talking about atheistic evolution. Mm. Uh, but that that's all you can really say. There is no meaning. Don't try and invent it. Don't put inspirational music against a space backdrop. Like, just just <laughs> accept it. Like, there's no meaning. It's all, it's all pointless. <clears throat> well, don't accept it. I mean, you know... The thing is, is that we all rebel against it. We all know intrinsically there is actually greater meaning. Yeah. But people people should use that and figure out, well, how can there be meaning? The only yeah. way it can be meaning is that if there is a God, mm. um, that, that's the only avenue that you have. So people should embark upon that than descend into the kind of despair and depression of uh, Professor Provine. That's why people say they're spiritual, I guess, because even if they're not religious, mm. they say they're spiritual because what they want is to connect with something greater than just what's material. Mm. And they ascribe spirituality to all these various things. Mm. Um, but the fact that, again, they have this impulse for it suggests that perhaps it's not that they should be looking for. They should be looking for the ultimate source of, of spirituality and purpose and meaning, um, mm. being God. 